0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back again to the Passing Downs podcast. I'm your host Rahul and I'm here with my co-host PD. PD say what's up? What's up? And we're back again with another weekly recap episode. We're going to be trying to do this every week of the season. Uh, and we're doing a little bit of a new format, the same one we did week one as well, where we're going to be talking about three good quarterbacks and then three bad ones rather than, you know, a bunch of good performances like we did last week uh while keeping it all with uh relatively... Uh, important or relevant quarterbacks uh but before i get into that just a real quick shout out to our socials uh if you like our takes and want to see more on twitter please follow us at real rahul potty and at pd34 underscore uh, also if you're enjoying the pod you've liked this series or like the qb series we did during the off season uh just like follow subscribe do what you can do on the platform to help support we'd appreciate it a lot uh, but with that being said, I think we should jump right into our three up, three down, uh, starting with the three good quarterbacks, of course, just trying to be positive right out the gate. And I'll let you get into your first quarterback, BD.
1: Yeah, so my first quarterback to talk about is Tua Tung-Mailoa. Um, coming off an absolutely dominant performance by the Dolphins' offense overall uh, with a 50-point victory over Denver. Um, and yeah, Tua was fantastic in this game. Um, there was very little opportunity for him to be bad in general. Um, he was pushing down the he was pushing the ball down the field in the moments that he needed to, reasonably aggressively, and he missed barely any throws. seventy seven percent of his passes were perfectly located, um, only missed a couple of throws slightly behind, slightly high, things like that. Um, and even on his tight window throws, the few that he did attempt, um, he hit three out of five of those, which was very impressive to me. He took everything advantage of everything that was there to be had. Uh, and then when the defense didn't give him anywhere to go with the ball, he was still good. Um, so yeah, very very impressive performance from Tua overall. Um, and a dominant showing from the Dolphins offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of the time we disagree with. Tua and even to expand like maybe that sort of mold. But in this case, you are absolutely correct. This game was near perfect from Tua. And granted, this was a Broncos defense that looked super unspirited and pretty trash, to be quite honest, uh, in this past weekend, showed a lot, very little effort. And there were even run plays where I saw not a single player on that defense try and Dolphins players like Mostert and Echane just run right down the middle. Uh but Tua despite that still played very, very well because he did exactly what he needed to. He had defend uh, uh, receivers running wide open all over the place. He was hitting them in stride in like with Tyree Kill, Robbie Chosen, Braxton Berrios, etc. Uh but even in play in plays like you said where there were a a couple of rare plays where his guys were in coverage. A couple that I remember was like a Tyreek kill pass to the end zone uh, where he hit the throw and Tyreek kill just dropped it. There are a couple of plays like that overall where Tua still showed his elite accuracy, even though it was a game where it, that necessarily didn't matter as much. He didn't really need to anticipate anything when his players were running wide open freely all day long. Uh, But nonetheless, still an incredible game. I think the 70 points, if anything, speaks for itself right there, how incredible Tua was in this one. Uh, a near-perfect performance. But yeah, like I said, the only thing that would not necessarily bring the performance down but make me look at it a little bit differently is because how bad the Broncos' defense was. Nothing against Tua really there. Uh, but moving on from one blowout victory to what I think is the next biggest blowout victory of the week and the Chiefs Bears and talking about Patrick Mahomes was also extremely incredible in this one. Uh and I think the most impressive part about it is how much he was able to achieve in just a little bit over a half, because by the middle of the third quarter he was getting taken out. Uh he was it put up an incredible box score this game, 24 for 33, uh, 272 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, no sacks, and just a little over a half, like I said. And I think the film backs up how impressive that stat line looks. I thought he was elite at avoiding sacks, as he has been throughout this year, but particularly this game, Uh, even though the Bears' pass rush wasn't necessarily all that. I do feel like there were a lot of longer developing plays that the Chiefs try to call, uh, Where he was getting pressured and he did an amazing job of just doing what he does, playmaking, getting out of the pocket when he needed to, shuffling around as he needed to, Uh, and tying into that, he was an amazing playmaker this game. There are countless plays. I saw him get out of the pocket, find Travis Kelsey as we've seen him do countless times, but with the healthy Travis Kelsey back, we saw a little more of it. Uh, this game which I'll talk about in a second uh, but most importantly I just loved how Mahomes was able to break down this defense uh, the Bears are running a lot of too high in this game they're kind of just sitting in that coverage not really changing much which I didn't understand and he was just eating over the middle of the field he just kept going there plenty of plays I saw him just dart it right in between the, the linebackers uh, or over the linebackers and in between the two deep safeties a lot of sideline shots in between the guy in the flat and the deep zone uh, the Bears just kept running the same thing over and over again and Mahomes did a great job of kind of exploiting that a couple of plays that I really uh, really really liked that I found were probably something of his best of the day I think one of the best throws I've seen all year to be quite honest happened in this game I believe it was in the middle of a second on like a second and six and Mahomes runs up in the bo- pocket and offs. he was off balance and mid-step he just launches the ball while getting pounded by a defensive lineman and he just floats down the sideline and lands right in the uh, Justin Watson's hand it was a beautiful throw and one of the best I've seen to be uh, all year to be honest another notable throw was a pretty deep pass to MVS. it was off a of busted coverage but Mahomes was a great job of delivering a ball right on the money 50 yards downfield which it's not as easy uh as it looks and it creates a massive massive play but i just think he did a fantastic job of picking apart this bears zone defense that they kept trying to run Uh, He did a good job of looking off linebackers with his eyes in order to get those players open because it's not easy to just keep exploiting the same thing, but he was able to kind of misdirect them with his head and make that happen. The only, I guess, issue I had, which isn't even a problem of him, but he once again injures his ankle in this one. And we've kind of seen in the last kind of five to 10 games he's played a lot of injuries piling up. And it it is a little frustrating, of course, because that just kind of goes with the nature of how he plays, but definitely something to look at, I guess, moving forward.
1: Yeah, that that throw to Justin Watson was truly incredible. Um, And Mahomes' ability to use the short passing game as a counter, um, yeah, very, very impressive development considering where he was in terms of consistently reading coverages and knowing where to go with the ball. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, just continuing to advance in that regard um, as he maybe loses some of the freak show athleticism that he had in maybe 2017 to 18 um, and still maintaining that exceptionally elite level of play. Um, and Speaking of exceptionally elite level of play, um, let's look at Josh Allen this week, and Josh Allen was fantastic. Um, 68% of his passes were perfect in this game. Um, that's very, very impressive, and for a guy who was taking a ton of deep shots, averaged up the target almost 10 in this game, um, or above 10, uh, if you include certain plays. Very, very impressive. Um, a few of the throws that I wanted to highlight, um, a fantastic tight window throw to Stefan Diggs, where um Allen breaks the pocket in this one and um gabe davis and stefan diggs kind of run to the same place um and it doesn't matter with two defenders there Allen still fits it in um and then after throwing a turnover worthy play for a dropped interception that i didn't think was too horrible uh, because it was on a third and long and he was pushing it deep down the field um he follows it up with an absolute seed uh 35 yard touchdown pass to gabe davis 30 uh, plus yards on a rope. Um, very very impressive throw in terms of velocity um, and then he has another big time scramble for 23 yards uh, before fill- finishing out the half um, has a drop pass in there um, where he hits Gabe Davis in a tight window um, and then yeah finishes off the game with uh, a 30 yard completion and another 20 yard completion so very very impressive day from Josh Allen overall forced a ton of missed tackles evaded a ton of pressures in this game doesn't have two turnover worthy plays but I discounted the uh, effect of those because one came on a third and 20 um, and he was pushing it way, way, way down the field. So not the biggest thing for me. Um, that was the actual interception that he threw. And then he has a dropped interception uh, on a third and eight when he was, again, pushing the ball down the field. So um, two turnover plays are going to bring down his overall performance from the, for this game for for me. Um, and I think this ends up as a very, very good game rather than an exceptionally elite game because of that. But yeah, I was very, very impressed with the way that Allen played in this game overall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with a lot of what you said there. Most importantly, uh, the fact that he was still exceptional in this game, despite a couple of mistakes. I also would agree that those two turnover-worthy plays uh we're definitely something he needs to look at and take out especially against a team like the commanders who was clearly a step below i would have liked to see a more flawless game but regardless he made so many incredible plays that it absolutely makes up for it there are a couple of plays that even made me like just gasp looking at it uh one i have in mind just uh was the play where he scrambles right has defenders coming after him the entire time and kind of twists his body and launches the ball downfield. I believe you talked about it as well uh, and throws it gets it to Diggs, going across the field uh, on what seems to be like a crosser hits him down the sideline with defenders right there. It was an absolutely incredible play it shows, how he's still got that insane level of athleticism in same arm as well I think this game really showed off that arm talent and really showed off kind of how dominant he is when he is on because we did see in that Jets game and even a little bit too much to, for my liking in last week's game as well but uh, I feel like this game, Josh Allen really settled in, put in a very, very good performance, and uh it makes me pretty happy for what I uh he probably has in store going forward. Uh but moving on from a lot of these guys who have kind of been elite quarterbacks starting the year in to uh Mahomes, Allen to someone who did have a bit of a rough start, in my opinion has picked it up here uh, in Kenny Pickett, and I thought he played very well uh, against the Raiders because he started to get back to kind of his game, and I'll get more into that, but just looking at in, uh, into the box score, it looks pretty solid overall, he was 16 for 28, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no pick, only one sack, and overall, we didn't really get a whole lot of explosives in this game from him, but a very, very solid overall uh, game from him Because, uh, like I said, he was getting back to what he's best at, and that's why he looked so good. Uh, I thought, most importantly, he was finally really, really good off the play action. I don't know if it was because the run game was kind of non-existent, or if he just simply wasn't back completely to where he was last year. But off the play action uh, is where I think Kenny Pickett is at his best or one of his better a- attributes to his game and early on in the season I feel like he was always getting either rushed off the play action he was very inaccurate he wasn't really getting to his spots and delivering kind of like how he did this game and he finally settled in in this one uh, he was did a great job every time he was kind of rolling out uh, into uh, and the offense cut a half the field for him he was extremely accurate delivered the ball wells every single time and just kind a, was able to pick apart one side of the field consistently over and over and we saw it kind of go into fruition completely for that uh, Friar mood touchdown pass we saw late in the third quarter that was also just a result of him consistently getting to that play action and he was able to just lay it up over the top uh, to Fryer mood for a touchdown uh, but like I said he was getting back to what Makes him best, just a quick three to five step back, drop draw, uh, draw back, uh, delivers the ball quick. We saw the quick release in action once again. And I just saw him making fast decisions and getting it to his receivers as quick as he could in space. I thought he had fantastic synergy with George Pickens here. So many passes over the middle of the field where Pickens was able to use his big body and Pickett would just deliver it, whether it was a tight window and or pick, if Pickens got separation. I felt like that slant or in-cutting route that uh, Pickett kept going to with Pickens just was money all day long, and he was just firing the ball. A couple notable plays I liked was, I think it was the middle of the first quarter, on a third and seven with pressure in his face, we see him fired deep down the field on a post to Calvin Austin, uh, he just puts it right on the money and right in between the two Raiders safeties, where neither of them could even remotely get it, and just kind of delivers it downfield to upfield, so Calvin Austin can abuse that speed he has, and that advantage, and just... Delivers it so well that he can run it in for a touchdown. Also on a third and nine, this is kind of a different aspect of Pickett's game. But we see him spin off a sack attempt from 51 on the Raiders and run for a first. It's kind of just showing how he's improvement pocket, improving against pressure and pocket awareness wise. Because I thought he struggled a lot with that the first couple of weeks, and he looked a lot more poised in this one. And that translated into his passing game as well because he did a great job of staying in the pocket a lot of times not a whole lot of pressure from the Raiders, but still was poised and delivered uh, just dimes from the pocket quick. Uh, and that's what I like to see out of Pickett.
1: All right, moving on to the next one. Um, our next good quarterback, um, looking at CJ Stroud in this one, another young quarterback. And um, yeah, Stroud was fantastic in this one. Does have a turnover-worthy play. It's not going to show up in the box score. Um hits a defender in the face with a dropped interception. Um this one was on a 3rd and 10 so I'm not going to be too mean to it but um yeah he does kind of do it in his own territory which is which is rough. Um starts the game off in the first quarter with an incredible completion deep down the field. 43 yards in the air to Tankdale. Um I think uh, I might get hate for this but I think he could have placed the ball a little bit better. Um I think if he puts a little bit more air under it that one just results in a touchdown immediately. Um but yeah, after that, he has another really impressive throw, um, pushing the ball way outside the numbers um, for a deep completion, resets his feet in the pocket, avoiding interior pressure, and fires it to the sideline uh, to Robert Woods, who's got a couple of one to two steps of separation. That throw was really impressive. Um, and then, yeah, other than the turnover-worthy play, um, the rest of the day was very, very impressive. Finishes the game off on his final real pass, Passing snap with um, a 68-yard touchdown on a busted coverage, but um, Stroud puts it right on the money for Tank Dell, so I'm not going to really take away too much for that. Um, and yeah, for, for most of the day, he was very, very strong um, in terms of putting the ball on the money um, into short areas, had some flashes of exceptional anticipation. I still think some of the way he like moves around in the pocket and reacts to pressure, um, I still think that can definitely be improved. Um, in terms of putting a number on it, this one, 54% perfect pass rate, which is very good. Um, and for the style of throws that he was attempting, um, that just makes it better. Um, so yeah, I was definitely very impressed with the way that Stroud plays and played in this one. Um, and looking forward to see more of what he can do in structure.
0: Yeah, honestly, a lot of what you said about Stroud, I agree with here as well, because... I really like the way Stroud has kind of improved his game pretty quickly and early on in his career. I think one of a couple of the biggest things that uh, I guess I had concern with and I feel like we mainly agreed with Stroud uh, even though I was a little bit higher on him and the way he trans- would translate to the NFL I think we both had similar concerns and one of the biggest things was pressure management and kind of like you said at the end he does still have some way to go in terms of how he maneuvers in the pocket and his footwork uh, in order to be able to still be sack free without ever being necessarily the most athletic guy in the world. But one thing that really impressed me in this game was in a tight divisional matchup, the Jaguars did really try to put pressure in his face. They were getting to him not necessarily getting to him, but they were sending a lot of people. And despite the pressure, he was able to kind of stay in the pocket and dissect uh, what was going on and delivered a lot of big-time throws in those situations. And another thing I was a little bit worried about with him is being an Ohio State quarterback with a lot of elite receivers. He didn't really see a lot of tight window looks that he had to deliver on. uh, And he's been great at finding his guys, even if they're, kind of in coverage. He still did a, done a great job of being able to fire it in there uh, and get it to him, get it to them in tight windows. And like you said, the anticipation has always also looked good with them. Uh, I do think you were a little bit too harsh on that tank del throw. I agree that yeah, it could have been placed a little bit better. But going that far downfield and that magnitude of a throw, I do cut him a little bit of slack with it being a little bit off here and there. And I do think even downfield accuracy wise, he will continue to improve kind of like he's already shown that he has Uh, but moving on from one AFC quarterback and kind of moving on from these younger quarterbacks to another more established quarterback in the league like we started off with in Justin Herbert and originally obviously there was a pretty big play that sways his performance here and originally I thought that would sway it a little bit more but after re-watching the game and seeing a lot of the really big time throws he made. I kind of raised his overall performance to really good, and I'll talk about why it wasn't elite, but looking at the box score, which does lie a little, uh, a decent bit, uh, it looks very, very good, him being 40 for 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns, only one sack, uh, but obviously the elephant in the room, that kind of completely swayed his box score was the turnover worthy play that we saw uh, with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. He basically throws a pick to number 21 on the Vikings who has a, I honestly, one of the worst plays I've seen a cornerback make in a while somehow not only drops the pick, but tips it backwards to Josh Palmer who grabs it and just walks in for a touchdown Very, very, not a great throw from Herbert, pretty bad throw, to be quite honest. But other than that, he was very good, I'd say, and that really doesn't define his day for me. I'd say he had pretty amazing pocket awareness in this game and pressure avoidance. I think Vikings were doing a great job in pressuring him all day long. Everson Griffin was having a great day in terms of winning his battle one-on-one, and he just did a fantastic job of moving his feet, staying poised in the pocket, and also doing what he does best and just shuffling around, even though he's not running, he's maneuvering himself in the pocket to be in a position where the pressure is not getting to him. I also thought as always with him, his velocity and accuracy was very good. He just fits so many balls in very, very tight windows all day because the Vikings were running kind of a loose zone. There was a lot of spaces uh, in those zones and pockets where the vi- Chargers receivers would just sit and I think the Vikings just thought they'd be able to get to the ball before Herbert could fit it in but time and time again with this quick release and just ability to just fit fit into tight windows uh, he was getting the ball to his receivers I also th- thought he did a really good job of going through his progressions uh, even though the Vikings were putting in a lot to rush him and make him go off his game he was able to just dissect the defense and a lot of times we saw his first read not open but he was looking around moving his head and still found someone open whether it was second read third read uh he was able to find people it wasn't a lot of quick hitting plays that he was making and his synergy with Allen was obviously off the charts I mean Allen had an amazing day it seemed like he was open all day and Alan, I feel like Herbert kind of recognized early on that they really could not stop Allen on those quick out routes or on those deep crossers over the middle of the field. And he just kept going to those over and over again. Uh, a couple of notif- notable plays that I really liked from him One was with about 3.25 to go in the first. Herbert drops a pass right between the corner and the flat on a deep corner route to Keenan Allen, and kind of just a textbook way to beat that cover three over there, just with amazing touch, delivers a ball right on the sideline to Keenan. Uh, Also on a first and goal, that same drive, we see him make an amazing kind of sidearm pass around a linebacker, hits Parham right on the money, and that linebacker was right in his face. I felt like most quarterbacks get that, ball batted down, but Herbert just fitted in on the money. And another throw that I thought was one of the best of the year, kind of similar to that Mahomes throw I was talking about early, a little bit later in the game, uh, we saw Herbert on a second and 12 from his own end zone, just Uh, throws an extremely accurate pass to Mike Williams who has a corner draped all over him and he puts it just far enough to where Williams can dive and get it a great catch from him as well but just amazing ball placement and delivery from Mahomes and also there was a throw in the middle of the third where we see him avoid two D linemen who had his hands on him shuffles left hits a wide open Keenan Allen And another one of the better throws of the day I saw came on a third and 17 around nine minutes left in the fourth. We see Herbert roll right outside of the pocket does kind of walk into pressure a little bit, but it doesn't matter because he makes one of the best across body throws I've seen in a while throws it with the defender in his face and drops it right in between two defenders right in Keenan Allen's breadbasket 20 yards downfield for the first Uh, very, very incredible throw. Uh, but, yeah, I thought this was a really good game from Herbert. I thought this would have been elite or damn near perfect had he not thrown that turnover-worthy pass in that fourth quarter. But, obviously, he did. He got kind of lucky with it, but that will take away from him. Aside from that, just a very good game.
1: Yeah, exceptional performance in terms of <clears throat> generating positives in this one. Um, he was pushing the ball down the field selectively um pretty well um the explosive plays that he made were exceptionally good um has one like and like the Vikings were blitzing him a ton um and they weren't really getting pressure because Herbert was doing a really good job of getting the ball out um blitzing Justin Herbert's not a very good idea just generally um especially when Keenan Allen is just winning off the line of scrimmage instantly time after time um Herbert does have a fumble in this so blitzing will get you um high variance play no matter what, pretty much, unless you're going against like a Manning or a Brady or something like that. But um, Herbert uh, does have a couple of turnover-worthy plays in this one. So you mentioned the pass that ends up as a 30-yard touchdown that deflects off basically the DB's face. Um, He also has a fumble uh, where he's trying to navigate in the pocket, just loses the ball. Um, And, yeah, beyond that, I don't really have any complaints for this game. He was exceptionally accurate. Very, very good about getting the ball out before the blitz came. Uh, Avoided pressure altogether. Forget sacks. Um, And, yeah, his synergy with Keenan Allen was crazy. Uh, Byron Murphy was absolute burnt toast for this entire game. Um, Yeah, I was very, very impressed with uh, Herbert's performance in this one. All right, so that will wrap up our section about the three good quarterbacks from each of us. Um, and let's get to the more unfortunate part um, and talk about the high-level quarterbacks who didn't play so well. So I'll start it off um, with the quarterback that stuck out most obviously, obviously to me in terms of result in the box score. Um, and looking through it, this was kind of bad uh, with Dak Prescott. Um, so Dak's pressure management and his timing in this game just seemed pretty off. Um, offensive line injuries for the Cowboys have been an issue, um, and that's a big reason why Dak – didn't play too well in this game, from especially from a passing standpoint. Um, I thought he broke off a few runs in this game that were pretty impressive, but uh, he just missed a number of throws that I think he would have made um, if the Cowboys were fully healthy, um, again, with the big signal towards Dak being a ceiling raiser. So this one, um, very, very short average depth of target on a number of these passes um, combined with the Cowboys running the ball a ton. Um, and he finishes with 65% perfect pass rate, which is very good, but um, largely inflated by um, those passes that he was throwing behind the line of scrimmage. And then sprinkling in some deep shots, it does get his average of the target up to a decent mark. Um, the biggest problem for me in this one was not just the pressure man- management, like I mentioned, but the interception that he threw at the end of the game. Critical moment. Um, the Cowboys are down a couple of scores with the chance to... Cut it to just one, um, and Dak just throws the ball into a triple coverage. So, yeah, th- that was the end of the Cowboys game. Um, he does have a couple of explosive plays that bring this game up to solidly below average rather than a total and absolute disaster class. Um, he has a couple of nice throws down the field, one to Gallup um, and one to CeeDee Lamb, both of them in tight windows. Um, the one to Lamb was a little bit behind, but I'm going to cut him some slack because he took a big-time shot when he was throwing it, so... Um there's that. Broke a, a number of tackles on his scramble attempts. Um but yeah, I just thought overall pressure management, fun with the nasty turnover they play at the end, um and missed throws here and there. Um explosive plays were not really enough to make up for that. Um and the runs as well. So yeah, solidly below average game for Dak in this one.
0: Yeah, honestly a very very shocking performance for me and I think most of the NFL world to be quite honest. Uh the way the Cowboys looked and the way the Cardinals have looked up till this point. I think majority of people were coming into this game thinking this was going to be like a Cowboys steamroll, the Cardinals were kind of just going to lay down and let this Cowboys team win, do their thing. And the Cardinals came out firing and I honestly don't think the Cowboys offense and most importantly Dak was expecting it because they came out a little bit flat. They did not look in sync offensively. I feel like Dak came out a little bit inaccurate. He was missing a lot of passes in that early first half kind of period of the game. And then in that second half, I feel like he was trying to do a little bit extra to make up for it, and that's when we saw some of those mistakes pile up. I also thought in this game, where honestly the Cardinals don't really have elite pass rushers or anyone who should be getting pressure on Dak, Dak was still holding the ball a bit too long and letting that pressure get to him. That's why we see those two sacks happen which I thought were pretty bad. And most importantly, like you mentioned, PD, that pick at the end of the game, that pretty much ended it for them and honestly was one of the worst picks I've seen up till this point in the season. That really changed things and that absolutely dropped his performance this game and honestly lost them that game. So it definitely didn't deter me for Dak as a whole. I think he kind of just, it wasn't his day rather than him just being a bad player. Uh, I just think they got punched in the mouth by a Cardinals team that they think that they thought wouldn't do that to them. And Dak wasn't prepared for it. And he definitely should be. Uh, But going from one quarterback who kind of looked bad, obviously, from the box score to another one who looked bad pretty obviously, once again, from this box score in Mac Jones. And honestly, with Mac Jones, I thought he looked, Pretty decent versus the Dolphins after a poor start to the year against the Eagles, in my opinion. Uh, He kind of bounced back, and I was expecting against the Zach Wilson-led Jets team that he would be able to kind of get things together again. But uh, the Jets' defense struck again, and Mac Jones had a pretty stinky performance in this one. He was 15 for 29, and I think their accuracy in-game also reflected that off the film. Only 201 yards because there are a lot of quick hitters, a lot of checkdowns, only one touchdown, no picks, no sacks, surprisingly, because to be quite honest, and to, I guess, jump, get into the game already, I thought he looked very flat-footed and stationary in the pocket. Uh, Even though Mac Jones isn't the best athlete in the world, I thought typically he does have decent footwork and pocket awareness. And for whatever reason in this game, he looked kind of sluggish and slow. I noticed him kind of not really moving a lot of times in the pocket, and he wasn't really hopping and jumping as you see a lot of quarterbacks do, and he was kind of just like I said, stationary. It was a little strange to watch. Uh, I also remember him quite a few times just clearly throwing the ball to the sideline or at people's feet, Uh, just multiple times thinking, what is he doing? One that pops up into my mind immediately from the film is mid-second quarter. I believe it was Devontae Parker. He was trying to hit on a third down, and he had him open, and it was a rare occasion where Devontae Parker actually got separation and he still just missed him very high uh another ball at, at the feet that I saw which was kind of in the middle of the third quarter I felt like he had 81 deep open deep for a touchdown on a third and 6 uh which honestly the way he had been playing on a third and six far away from the end zone he really shouldn't be going deep anyways kind of the way the game was going and how inaccurate he was but he still tries it and he hits the player right in the feet completely misses a touchdown uh, I will say he had a pretty impressive touchdown pass in the second quarter uh, where he kind of just threw it over the top of the entire uh, Jets defense to believe I believe it was Pharaoh Brown uh, and it was a well lofted pass but it just wasn't enough. There was another drive late in the game where we saw the Pats get to a first or I believe it was a third and goal situation and he has an open Hunter Henry uh, for a touchdown, I felt like, and he misses him. So overall, I just thought Mac Jones was very inaccurate in this one, uh, looked a little bit more sluggish than he needs to be. And when he's already at such an athletic disadvantage, he really cannot be doing that. Uh, And uh, it just was disappointing. I will give him a little bit of credit with the fact that this Jets secondary is very elite and this Pats receiving core, as we've already discussed, is pretty poor. All honestly, making an argument for the worst in the league, if not being that already, so very, very concerning from Mac. But I will give him a little bit of credit with it being a tough situation for him.
1: All right, let's move on to the next one, the quarterback who's the dramatic opposite of Mac Jones, um, and that's Lamar Jackson. Um, so Lamar with. A pretty stinky performance in the passing game back-to-back fumbles in the second quarter um, where he just loses the ball on a sack it's punished for one of them and not the other Um, and down the stretch in this game second half plus overtime they really started to rely on lamar um, both on the ground and through the air Um, i thought a number of sacks in this game were very much on lamar Um, i charted all four sacks uh, of Lamar on him um and that's especially like I automatically have to chart a sack as responsible for uh with the QB when they fumble um but the other two sacks as well just just bad ones um especially the one in the fourth quarter they're driving with the chance um with 23 seconds left um and Lamar just takes a very very bad sack loses 10 yards and that kind of ends up making the field goal attempt for Justin Tucker super duper long he does make up for it with a very, very nice throw in a tight window to Nelson Aguilar a couple of plays later. But um, yeah, I just thought the the fumbles um, combined with um, kind of a lack of explosives down the field. Um, he was throwing some nice intermediate passes, but um, doesn't have uh, explosive plays to make up for it. And that combined with a lack of extremely insane rushing performance um, just makes this one solidly below average. So Um, The inability to avoid negatives in this one gets to Lamar. Um, I know they're dealing with some injuries, but um, his ability to protect the ball in the pocket with the fumbles has been pretty, pretty awful this season. Um, And I wonder if it is because he's been asked to, can you continue to stick in the pocket more? And the fumbling issue has always been a thing with him. Um, And I wonder if it's more natural for him to just be carrying the ball kind of on the move um, rather than in the pocket. So Um, We'll see how this develops going throughout the season. Uh, Fumbles are not really a sticky thing, but um, so far it's been the biggest thing holding down Lamar's performance and they showed up again in this game.
0: Yeah. I kind of want to jump right into that fumble thing before I give my thoughts completely on Jackson because I do honestly think this is something that could stick and could be an issue. And I really don't even think it's the fact that they're asking him to be in the pocket. I think it's kind of an overall issue with the way he even carries or holds the football. Uh, I think it's always been a bit of an issue, but now that he's in the pocket more, I feel like he's more in those tight situations when he's in the open. In field and he's kind of holding the ball loosely like it's a a loaf of bread or something, uh, it's a lot harder to just knock it out of his hands because he's so quick and agile that he's able to run away from defenders. They're more worried about bringing him down than getting at the football. But in those tight, confined spaces of the pocket, uh, the D-linemen are able to get more swipes at it. They are able to get to him more often than not. And I think that's why it's a issue that could potentially stick. And he's really got to reevaluate how he's holding the ball uh, but getting back to kind of the game overall I was honestly a little bit surprised that uh, you had chosen Lamar for the bat at first when I was looking kind of his game at face value but after looking into actual fi- the actual film I would absolutely agree I thought he was a bit too careless with the football as we've discussed but more importantly the sacks were definitely a killer I think they were a huge swing to this game uh, him being a po- in the pocket consistently does definitely seem to be an issue because I think he's obviously at his best when on the move, like you said, or just kind of outside the pocket doing his thing, making something happen rather than structured football. And when he is forced to play more structured football, you see him either hold the ball too much long or try to go back to his roots and it ends up him doing too much and results in those sacks but to me the biggest thing uh was that overtime period where I feel like he did have a chance to kind of redeem himself for a game that wasn't his best and come out on top against a Colts team that shouldn't have this shouldn't have this win and I know I guess those sort of moments are less impactful for you but for me that really swung how I looked at this because it was two drives in that overtime period where I feel like he choked pretty uh, massively I thought in that first drive he had a pretty crucial uh back-to-back incompletions to first I think it was uh Zay Flowers and then uh, actually, no, that was the next drive. Sorry. But the first drive, he has an in-pass incomplete on a third down to Zay Flowers, which I thought he did have Flowers and he just missed him. And in the next drive, we see back-to-back incomplete passes to first Isaiah Likely, where I didn't even know why he was going there because it seemed like a check down and didn't really it wasn't really necessary in the first place, and he still misses the throw. And then on a fourth and three, biggest play of the game, he just completely misses, say, Flowers on what I thought was a slant type of route. And those kind of have to be automatic, especially for a quarterback of his caliber in that as important part of the game. So definitely a little bit disappointing from Lamar. Uh, and moving on to another quarterback who was pretty, pretty disappointing. And this one, I almost didn't talk about because it was a little bit of a small sample size. He only played a little bit more than a quarter. Uh, But I figured since he's not going to be playing too much because he does get injured in this game, uh, he may miss a couple of weeks. I might as well talk about Derek Carr here. And you can kind of see from the box score that it wasn't the best game. Uh, He was 13 for 18, but only 103 yards, a touchdown, but three sacks, and I think that was the biggest thing for me here. Those three sacks were very killer. Uh, It really felt like he was shell-shocked in the pocket a lot of the time. The Packers were bringing the heat because uh, I think they knew they could get into Derek Carr's head a little bit, and it was exactly that. Uh, There were a couple of drives that were just absolutely killed by Derek Carr instead of moving around in the pocket, using his footwork, trying to establish himself in a better position. He would kind of just duck and take the sack. And I know he's a little bit older, never been the kind of guy to evade pressure, but he can't kind of put this much of a lack of effort. And I think even though it was just a couple of sacks, it kind of translated to the rest of his game because he was in other plays just checking it down, getting rid of the ball as quickly as he could. It didn't seem like he was really going through his progressions. As soon as he saw someone underneath, he could throw it to. He was just getting it to them right away. And I think that's why you see him have a decent completion percentage in that 13 for 18, but only roughly 100 yards, because he wasn't making any effort to to throw the ball downfield he really wasn't making any effort to make those explosive plays uh the only time he really was going downfield was when Chris Olave was wide open and he still absolutely has the arm to make those throws so it's not like he's unwilling to throw deep but I feel like when there's even a little bit of risk involved when the window is a little bit tighter than he wants he just elects to check it down he just elects to tuck it and take the sack and at this point uh, in, in his career, he really can't be making those because he's not making the explosive plays he may have once made to make up for that. And he's just not a good enough quarterback to be consistently taking this many sacks. Uh, And just the check down problem in general is an issue. Him being unaggressive and not really pushing that just in general is a problem and needs to change. Uh, and with this injury to his shoulder happening we're not really sure when he's coming back I do believe it's not a long-term injury it should be only a week or two but already with a rough start to the season uh, you really don't want that if you're looking for Derek Carr to play well
1: yeah I think the biggest issue for me with Carr isn't him pushing the ball down the field I think he's I think he is pushing the ball down the field. He's actually first in the number of pass or the percentage of passes that travel 20 plus yards. So there's something there in terms of pushing the ball down the field. The issue that I have is that when Derek Carr is faced with an opportunity to take contact, he just does not. It's like, it's like he wants to just completely avoid any opportunity to take contact. um, And he would rather take a sack than eat a shot to the ribs or something of that sort. And, um, I have praised guys like Kirk Cousins for being super healthy, and that's sometimes a thing that crops up. Like, you won't take a shot to the ribs, um, and, I've, and I've like criticized Dak Prescott for doing that and stuff like that. Um, but I would just say that uh, for someone like Kirk, um, the very best way to do that is to do uh, what's called a chuck and duck. So um, you can get the throw off, but if you turn your body, maybe sacrifice a touch on the accuracy but still get the ball out, um and you won't get hit as hard um and the ball will still get out so that's the that's the biggest thing that's like a a very very minor field thing um that car is kind of lacking um and i really wish that he would do that it would be a big boost to his play Um, he's a very very gifted thrower of the football in terms of his ability to layer with touch and and stuff like that Um, but yeah he just doesn't want to take contact at this point um And speaking of contact, um, let's talk about Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones was absolutely in hell um, against the 49ers. This was one of the most ridiculous pass-blocking performances I've ever seen in my life. He literally had no chance on basically any play other than a screen. Um, And I think that I put um, this in the bad category from Daniel Jones, uh, but I really don't want to describe it that way. Um, I just wanted to talk about this game because It's important to reflect on these types of games where the quarterback just literally has no chance um, because, number one, the pass catchers of the the Giants are already poor as it is. Um, They have no Saquon who's an add to that passing game, Um, and then their pass blocking is absolutely horrific. Um, Playing with three guys who, on the interior, um, one rookie and two guys who I've never heard the names of, Um, Evan Neal just looking more and more like a disappointment with that pick, um mm-hmm. and yeah just in general the blocking was absolutely horrific daniel jones was under a ton of pressure and this is despite the fact that um after a certain point the, the giants just stopped calling anything except quick passes so even then he still got uh, he was still under a ton of pressure um jones doesn't put the ball in harm's way misses a, a number of throws in this game that i thought he could have completed um but overall he was still quite accurate throwing a number of perfect passes um only ending up taking two sacks with the way that the pass blocking performance was, um, was kind of impressive for me. Um, And there was just no opportunity to generate positives. So um, yeah, horrible performance from the Giants offense overall. Um, And I I can't call Daniel Jones anything but below average, but um, I just wanted to bring that up as um, an example of like what we, what we would think if like another performance like this happens where the quarterback has literally no support.
0: I really like that you brought that point up, and uh, since we're not going to talk about this game, I'll bring it up now because I also felt that Baker's kind of performance uh, this past Monday against the Eagles went somewhat similarly where the Bucks' offensive line had a complete stinker and the Eagles defensive line with Jalen Carter – were absolutely dominating and he really didn't have a chance but at least in that situation he does have weapons to where he can kind of alleviate the pressure off him a little bit in this Giants game like you said there was absolutely none of that and as a Niners fan watching this opposing Giants team try to score against our obviously very dominant defense you had to almost feel sorry for Daniel Jones because of kind of how bad the situation was for him when you look at kind of the run game in this game nothing was going on Matt Breida was pretty slow and sluggish and the Giants offensive line was getting zero push whatsoever so nothing was going there and then we look at his receivers his best guys were guys like Darius Slayton, Gary Brightwell, Paris Campbell, guys that On good offenses, you may not even feel comfortable having them as your receiver three, let alone your top three guys on your offense. Uh, for whatever reason, Darren Waller went non-existent. I think it's because the Niners' linebacking core is so athletic and quick that they weren't even able to get it to him. And it just seemed like everyone was draped in coverage all day long. And I love that you most importantly shown that the offensive line of the Giants was atrocious, Uh, even though it wasn't necessarily a big game for our elite-level pass rushers, not necessarily a whole lot of sacks that happened. It just seemed like Daniel Jones was under duress all game long and it didn't even give him a chance to maybe give a get a quick release throw off or something of that nature to a hot route because the pressure was in his face in an instant. And even when he did want to get rid of it, he had nobody open because of how bad his skill positions are. So, yeah, definitely not the best game from him. Uh... But, yeah, the situation, pretty terrible for him. Obviously, they're not going to be playing the Niners defense every single week. They're going to get Saquon back, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks. And uh, Darren Waller should be playing better. But, overall, it's not looking too good for Daniel Jones' situation. Uh, And moving on from Jones to the guy playing opposite of him in Brock Purdy, who honestly, I do think it may be a little bit harsh to put him in the bad category. I thought he was definitely below average, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily call his game bad because there were a lot of plays in this one where... It He did make a lot of impact, and I'll start with that before I get into kind of the bad plays. I think the biggest one, obviously, was that back shoulder deep pass to Debo Samuel for, like, a 30-yard touchdown. I thought that throw was incredible. He put that right on the money for Debo, and it didn't even seem like the defender had a chance debo just was able to pluck it out of the air uh i also thought there was one more pass to george kittle kind of going across over the middle of the field where he fits it into a very tight window uh, which was also somewhat impressive. And that Ronnie Bell touchdown pass early in the game where it was a fade type of route and he kind of just has to loft it up and put it in the right spot, let his receiver go and get it. Uh, that was also a pretty impressive throw. So there was a lot of good going on, as we can see from the box score. He was 25 from 37, 310 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, only two sacks. There was a lot of good he did. He was relatively accurate. Uh he was pushing the ball downfield as we can see from the 310 yards. But for me the reason he became below average and the thing he needs to clean up most is the mistakes that once again happen in this one and seem to be happening time and time again. Uh, The one I want to highlight first is the fumble here. He drops a snap once again, and it feels like he's doing this every game. This fumbling problem seems to be a common theme with Purdy, and it has to really fix because... In this uh, game, and I think in recent memory in general, a lot of those fumbles have kind of just fallen to him. He's been able to get it, and I will give him props and take away a little bit from the impact of the fumble because in all of those situations, he was able to get down and fight for the ball. But that problem just can't be happening continuously over and over again. He can't be fumbling and giving those opposing defensive linemen a chance to grab that ball because that can swing the game completely uh also there just seem to be too many passes in this one where he has wide open guys and he just misses and in this Niners offense we constantly see people open I mean that's never going to be an issue but he misses a lot of big time throws that would kind of put this offense over the top even more and it definitely bugs me like Uh, I remember clearly in this game, there was a pass to Brandon Ayuk that he had down the sideline, and Ayuk was pretty open, and he just throws it a bit too high over his outstretched arms. Definitely would have been a big play had he make, made that throw. And it's just those little plays here and there where he's going to miss just a little bit. And against teams like the Giants, the Niners obviously far overmatched them. Purdy gets so many opportunities that he is able to make up for it for that, like a touchdown pass like that Debo Samuel play. But when you get to playing the better teams, you're going to need a little bit more of a clean performance from Brock Purdy. And when he's fumbling snaps, when he's missing open throws... Uh, it's definitely not a not a good sign. And we've seen it two weeks in a row where he's had a lot of open receivers that he's missing where he's fumbling pass, uh, when he's fumbling the ball. Uh, But overall, I don't think his kind of bad game fits in with the same sort of really bad games that we've seen with some of these other quarterbacks, because like I said, there was a lot of good involved, Uh, but definitely still a lot to clean up.
1: Yeah, this week was a good week for quarterback performances. It wasn't um, uh, any like horrific performances, and mm-hmm. even the bad ones were a little bit trickier to find out. Um, we'll touch on a reason for that at the end of this podcast, but like, um, yeah, let's jump into our next segment, which is um, three questions, or um, yeah, let's let's talk about three questions. So um, we're gonna ask each other questions about what we think is the most important storylines for this week. Um for week four, um, and I'll let Potty get started, and I'll answer them um, for the quarterbacks this week.
0: Yeah, I'll jump right into that little bit of our preview for the next week. And the first thing I'm going to ask about one of the quarterbacks we just talked about as one of the bad performances of last week. Uh, what does Lamar need to do to bounce back? Uh, this week versus a very tough Browns defense who has shown. Uh, not a whole lot of let up so far this season.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to talk about the Browns defense. The Browns defense has absolutely been exceptional, um, barely allowing teams to get into the red zone. Like forget even allowing scoring. Um, the only times that they've been in the red zone is when like the offense turns it over. Um, so it's been it's been an absolute struggle fest for teams going up against the Browns defense. Um, and I feel like certain fan bases might not like this answer from me, but my answer is just pray. I, I don't like, I, I think that the the injuries for the Ravens um, along the offensive line and with their receiving core makes it makes them a very vulnerable target for the Browns pass rush. Um, and their secondary is playing with extreme connectivity um, and confidence. And yeah, this Browns unit just looks like an exceptionally good defense um, should consistently be a contender for the best defense in the league for throughout this year. Um, and yeah, I'm very, very excited to see them play um, and not too excited to see Lamar play this week. Cool. Um, all right. So moving on to the next one. Um, so this one was a pass rush question um, related. Um, how how do you think CJ Stroud will perform? Will he perform well against TJ Watt and the Steelers' pass rush with the injuries to Laramie Tunsell and the rest of the Texans' offensive line? Um, TJ Watt has been on an absolute tear to start the season, um, and we know... And have discussed on this episode Stroud's sort of weaknesses under pressure.
0: Yeah, you are definitely right with TJ Watts starting off on a tear. I believe he's already got six sacks on the season could have maybe had another one or two and I think he honestly might be going for the record at this point point. and when he's matched up against uh no Laramie Tunsil to Texans offensive line I think we're gonna get a little bit of the similar situation that we had with not necessarily Daniel Jones but with what we saw of Baker Mayfield uh this past Monday where he's not gonna get a whole lot of time in the pocket he's gonna be Definitely rushed a lot of the time. And I do think Stroud will struggle a little bit. I think the Steelers' offense has obviously played very well. And this Texans' offense, although they have had a lot of young pieces kind of prop up pretty quickly whether it's your tank dells having big game nico collins has had one big game or two they've had a couple of these young guys step up for sure to help out cj stroud but in this one i think he's gonna face a lot more stringent uh defensive backs and coverage in general i think the steelers kind of game plan overall is really good in that regard they don't give up a whole lot of big plays uh unless it's a very very elite type of caliber receiver like a Devontae Adams. Uh, that we saw last week, they don't give up a whole lot of points. And I do think we're going to see a similar C.J. Stroud to what we saw him struggle with in college uh, with the pressure and whatnot. But I saw a lot of him improve on that last week. And I would like to think even though he's going to not have a whole lot of help, he's going to be kind of pressured into what I think is a somewhat bad game. I do think he will show flashes because he's shown improvement in that regard. I think he'll just continue to improve, but it'll be a rough kind of learning experience kind of game for him. And I do expect a couple of sacks once again from TJ Watt. Uh, And I guess I'll kind of stay in that division, in that Steelers division, because uh, another kind of big storyline for me is Joe Burrow, who obviously didn't miss a week uh despite the injury. And I want to ask, how do you think an injured Burrow will f- uh, fare versus a pretty so- strong Titans front seven?
1: Yeah, so I just charted this game today, and looking at Burrow and his movement, it just he just can't run like it. He he's just yeah. jogging around on these designed rollout plays and on the plays where he's pressured he's just like skipping and hopping and, and jogging around it, it just does not look good when he's forced to run um he still looks like an average to above average quarterback in my opinion because his ability to just stand tall and on two feet and throw with accuracy um the accuracy is limited because he can't push off of that one leg very well, but um, he's still able to use his incredible hand-eye coordination and touch skills to kind of wheel the ball into um, the place that it's supposed to go. So um, there is a floor there that that makes his performance um, it, it can't possibly get worse than a certain level. But um, yeah, I would imagine that he ends up taking a lot of sacks. The bigger the bigger concern for me against this Titans defense is for furthering of the injury rather than um, his performance overall, because that would be catastrophic for the Bengals season um, and just for the viewing experience of the NFL overall. Um, So yeah, just, just fingers crossed. um, Don't want anything bad to happen there. Um, All right. So we've talked about um, other games um, for this week um, and let's get to what is the main event of the week, which is um, Josh Allen and the bills going up against Tua and the Miami Dolphins. Um, and I'll go for the Bills uh, for the Bills side of this. So the last time that um, the Bills played the Dolphins early on in the season, Josh Allen looks, looked like an absolute catastrophe with extreme hiccups in his decision-making, um, just horrible turnover plays all over the place, and they weren't even captured in the box score. Um, so which Josh Allen will we get against this uh, Dolphins defense, um, and do you think that the change in scheme from the Dolphins um, makes the – bad Josh Allen more or less likely to come
0: up? Uh, if I had to pick one, I think that Josh Allen will be playing at a high level. I do think that with that Commanders game he had last week, he kind of got himself back into the groove of things. He looks really good, but I the reason this question kind of confuses me and I'm not sure is because of what you mentioned with the game planning of the Dolphins defense I do really like the way they've come out super aggressively defensively because I think they're they have the type of defense that can benefit from having this kind of high risk high reward where you send a lot of pressures a lot of unique kind of fronts and kind of confuse the quarterback, some him into mistakes. And with that being said, Josh Allen is prone to making a lot of mistakes versus those sort of defenses. Even though the Jets aren't necessarily as aggressive and as unique with the way they play defense, they have a very similar build where they not only have a lot of pressure up front, but they also have pretty strong corners uh, and a ball hawk on both teams, whether it's Sauce Gardner or Xavier Howard. So both teams do kind of have the mold to stop or kind of make Josh Allen play bad. But I do think he overcomes it in this game. I think at home, in more of the weather that he's familiar with, I do think he's going to be able to kind of wither the pass rush. I do think he's going to be able to stand tall and deliver balls despite maybe even getting hit. I do think in this game, him in the rush game is going to be very, very crucial because I really don't think that linebacker core or anyone up front is really big enough to handle. uh Josh Allen's kind of power run game because the D the, the front seven of the dolphins is a little bit more finesse rather than power and strength. And I do think Josh Allen can use that run game and kind of leverage that to open up this dolphins defense and still be able to attack deep and still be able to play his game. So I would lean more to Josh Allen with weathering the storm and playing well. But I could absolutely see it going the other way, kind of the nature of the Dolphins' defense. And it's kind of interesting how you picked that question because I also had a question about this game. And it's the flip side of things with Tua and the Dolphins' offense. So my question is, how do you think the Dolphins' offense will fare in the cold versus a stronger Bills defense. Do you think it'll go similar to the Pats game where they were in a similar situation and didn't play so well? Or will they play more like we've seen in week one and three?
1: So the weather projection doesn't look too cold right now, but um, tough to uh, finalize that early on in the week. But um, more, more so, I guess I'll approach it from a standpoint of the Dolphins offense against the Bills defense. So getting Jalen Waddle back, Um, maybe that's a bad thing considering they just put up 70 points without him, but, um, yeah, getting Jalen Waddle back. Um, I think that there is obviously a significant advantage with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle against the corners of the Bills, even with Trey White being out there. Um, I think the Bills pass rush has been very, very strong and their coverage unit has been exceptional, um, to start the year. But, um, I just think that the moving parts of the Dolphins offense right now is just absolutely on another level. Some of the best stuff I've ever seen in terms of scheme, um, combined with Tua's all-time great anticipation, um, strong accuracy, um, I just think that the Dolphins offense right now is, the expectation should be unstoppable until they show us otherwise. Um, Just some weird hiccups with, like, snaps and such were throwing them off against the Patriots, Um, and the Patriots, like, very, very much did a great job defensively. Um, They sat back made Tua get the ball out quick, Um, and he did very well well in that regard, Um, having one turnover with the play where he just kind of short-circuited and chucked it downfield, but um, I think that um, the Bills don't really have the schematic advantage um, and, um, frankly, the the strength of um, consistency along with the defense to execute the game plan that the Patriots did, Um, and so I would say that the Dolphins' offense once again has a really strong game despite being on the road um so yeah I I would just I I don't want to pick against the Dolphins offense right now
0: yeah Um, honestly that's fair and I do want to clarify one thing uh I guess when I said the cold that was my California kind of coming out because maybe it's not cold for Buffalo and it is definitely colder than what it would be here but I see what you're saying, and I do agree that with this Dolphins offense right now, they did just put up 70, so it is hard to bet against them.
1: All right, so moving on to my final question. Um, Is this the week that Jalen Hurts' deep ball finally starts to come together? Um, Hurts has not had a performance yet where his deep ball is strong with the absence of turnover the plays. There were a couple of nice explosive plays against the Bucs this week, um, but he did have, obviously, two kind of bad interceptions. Um, and, his, and his play to start the year has been rocky, to say the least, um, with his turnover-worthy play rate just exploding through the roof as compared to last year. So um, how do you think he'll fare this week?
0: Uh, I Long story short, I would assume no. And the reason I'm saying no isn't necessarily because I don't believe in Jalen Hurts to be able to fix it up this quick but mainly because of how dominant this Eagles run offense has been and I know the the commanders front seven has is like decent they've got a couple of talented pieces there uh. but I really don't think they can match up with the physicality and brute force that this Eagles offensive line has in the run blocking game and i think part of the reason jalen hurts hasn't gotten into his flow in terms of passing the ball deep and i think that is going to be a bit concerning as they go further along into the year is because the eagles have been somewhat complacent in just going ground and pound and just gashing defenses in the mouth and just running down their throats and i really don't think this commander's defense is is talented enough to stop this run force with DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell right now. Swift is looking amazing. He's finally kind of found his role uh in that Eagles offense after having a couple of struggling years uh on the Lions and I really think this Eagles Run game is just so dominant that they're going to abuse it, especially in a game where I think they go up pretty quickly. I do think Jalen Hurts will have a couple of decent drives in that first half, but to me, this is going to end up being one of those games where the Eagles drop like 30 in the first half and then decide whatever, we're just going to run out the rest of the game. And maybe will have one, two deep shots early in the game, but I don't think we're going to get a sample size enough to see him kind of flourish back to the elite deep passing player he was last year I don't even know if they're going to even take those shots too much in this game I just don't see that commander's offense keeping up with how bad Sam Howell has been to make this a competitive game and I also just think the commander's defense is overmatched here so yeah like I said I don't expect it to happen this week
1: all right so good thing that you transitioned there um so let's talk about Sam Howell Um, we talked about the charting cut list with Desmond Ritter, um, on the, on the last episode that we released, and, um, Sam Howell will unfortunately be joining that list, so it's not so much the, the quality of performance, um, that was obviously horrendous, and, um, I don't think anyone is arguing otherwise, but it's just the futility that he seemed to show in that game, um, and the possibility for that type of low end outcome just makes me think that like his inability to avoid negatives is going to be a crippling issue at some point during the year now obviously like I said with Desmond Ritter um Ritter didn't do much to help his case by the way but um like I said with Ritter um it's possible for me to change my mind on this but um putting the ball in harm's way four times nine sacks a number of them just him running into pressure um that's just too much inability to avoid negatives um, and I do like I still do like his ability to generate positives but um, at this point it looks like he is tracking to be more of a fringe starter type and um, yeah I would like to see a guy who has upside as like a strong starter um, for me to continue charting them but yeah it, it just looks like at this point it it's just not going to happen this season
0: yeah gotta agree with you there uh to put it lightly or maybe not lightly but Howell simply looks trash right now and there's not really a better way to put it because that's how bad he was against this Bills team and I know this Bills defense is one of the better ones in the league it's tough for a young quarterback like Howell to be able to put up a good performance here but Nine sacks is ridiculous, and like you said, it wasn't a lot of sacks that he just had no blocking, and he was they were getting block sheds quickly and getting to him. He was either holding the ball too long or just simply walking into sacks. It seemed almost seemed like a pinball in some snaps to the point where Howell was just blindly, ru- blind uh, blindly and aimlessly running into defenders almost as if he just wanted to. It seemed intentional at certain points. And it just goes to show how little feel and kind of spatial awareness or awareness in general he has in the pocket or just while having the ball in general. Because it just seemed like time and time again, he was getting caught in situations where he shouldn't be. And like I've said with a lot of young quarterbacks, when you do too much, when you try to run around or just in general start running into people it messes up the timing of the play it ruins what you want to do offensively and when sam howell is doing it so much there's just no way you can have good offense regularly and when you combine that with the amount of times he just threw the ball straight to the defense uh four times in this game to be exact all of which i think we can both agree were his fault it just I just don't see the upside, even with him being able to make big time throws. He's shown a couple of times that he is able to hit players deep, hit people in somewhat tight windows, and he does have a lot of positives to his game there, but his ability to just keep making mistakes over and over again is gonna lower him for me and I do think he has more chance to get out of this than a guy like Desmond Ritter who I've really seen nothing of even though Desmond Ritter's making less mistakes we've seen quarterbacks who have something to them but they make a lot of mistakes early on kind of dig themselves out of it once they've kind of realized how to play in this game Howell hasn't shown me a lot of promise that he can do that but things do happen, players do improve, so maybe he can get himself out of it. Usually, I would like to see a little bit more feel from a quarterback, and then I'd expect them to maybe dig themselves from this situation, but I don't see that out of Howell, but definitely a lot more upside with him than Ritter, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, just to put a cherry on top with with the stats, um, so Justin Fields, we've been Exceptionally critical of, um, with his ability to avoid sacks um, and just management of pressure overall. Justin Fields last year had a 14.7% sack rate. Um, Right now, Sam Howell is at 16.1%. So if you're outdoing Justin Fields in that category, you got to take a long look in the mirror. So (laughs) yeah, I just just think that um, Sam Howell needs to make some pretty significant improvements to his game. Um, Other guys that I thought could be on the chopping block um potentially um Justin Fields himself, um, unfortunately. Um and then beyond that, um, it's kind of a wait and see at this point. Um, but yeah, that'll wrap up our episode for this one. Make sure to like leave it and do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. That'll be all from me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one.
0: Peace. Yep, peace out yeah, we could be-